Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us have said it's good to be here, and I hope that you are glad to be in church this morning. You say today is the fourth Sunday in Latin. Today is called Litari Sunday. And the word Litari is a Latin word. It means rejoice. It means, again, to be glad. It means to praise God. It's the first word of the intro for today in Latin. Litari, rejoice ye with Jerusalem. It begins, as you remember as I read it, all ye that love her. This is Rejoice Sunday. This is the Sunday of gladness, this fourth Sunday in Lent. And the word of God that I just read, it refers to an incident that took place in April, a Passover time, just a year before the last April and the last Passover when Jesus died. He had just fed the 5,000. Jesus was over on the northeast bank of the Sea of Galilee, and there he had fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five barley loaves and two small fishes. And the result of that miracle was something that was really electric. When the people saw that they were filled, that they had all the bread that they wanted, that Jesus had miraculously fed them, there was a slight movement and a silent movement on foot that they were going to kidnap Jesus and they were going to take him to Jerusalem and proclaim him their king. What could be more wonderful than to have a king that would give them bread, miraculous bread, that they wouldn't have to work for, that would fill their stomach that would eliminate poverty. To them there was nothing greater than to have a king and a Messiah who would give them earthly bread. And Jesus saw what was happening and he nipped it in the bud, you remember. He put the disciples in the boat and he told them to start across to go over to the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And when it was dark, Jesus hid in the mountain alone. And then during the night, you know, he met them as they were out on the water. That was the time he walked on the water. And finally they came and they embarked at Capernaum. The next morning when the crowd saw that Jesus was gone and the disciples, they weren't going to let him get away from them that easily. He was going to be their king. He had fed them miraculously. What could be greater than to have a king and a messiah who would give them earthly bread and eliminate poverty and they wouldn't have to work for it. So some of them took boats and they went over to Capernaum. Others walked along the shoreline and they found him the next day in the synagogue in Capernaum. And when they came to him, oh, they wanted him. He was going to be their king. They wanted to take him along to the Passover and declare him to be the king. Why? He had given them, as far as they were concerned, the greatest blessing in all the world. He had given them earthly bread. What more would a man want than to have all the bread, all the food that he wanted to eat? And Jesus, when he saw them, he said, I know why you're coming. He said, yesterday I filled your stomachs and you're full, and that's all you see in me. And then Jesus tried to show them that he hadn't come into the world primarily to give them earthly bread, that he had come to give them something that was far greater, far more wonderful than earthly bread. And as he stood there in that synagogue in Capernaum that day, then there came from his lips that tremendous I am statement. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Don't you understand, people? I am the bread that came to bring you no less than life eternal life, everlasting life, life without end, an eternity of bliss with me in heaven. He said, don't you understand that this blessing of life is something that earthly bread can't be compared with? Earthly bread can never give you, could never hope to give you this eternal life. I came, oh listen listeners, 
I came to be the bread of life, to give you everlasting, eternal life and eternity with me in heaven, a life that will cause you never to die, a life that will cause you to live forever, a life that will cause even your bodies to be raised from the dead, that your bodies can enjoy this life. That's what he told them that day. And today, when you and I look at him and he stands again in the synagogue at Capernaum, we may say to ourselves, is he worthy of our seeking? Is he worthy of our knowing him and of having him and of our light tiring in rejoicing and being glad in him? Let's look at him this morning and see whether he again isn't worthy of our seeking. He isn't worthy of you and me having him and again of holding fast to him and of rejoicing in him. And all because this morning he says to you and he says to me, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives you no less than life. This is the blessing, he says, that earthly bread can't give you. This is the blessing that is far greater and more wonderful than earthly bread. I am the bread that gives you eternal, everlasting life an eternity of bliss with me in heaven, a life that will cause you that you'll never die, a life that will cause that you will live forever and that even your bodies will be raised to enjoy it. And you and I may say this morning, oh, that sounds wonderful. Again, we may say it's just too good to be true, and yet we may say I find it rather hard in my life to, again, to believe that he's worthwhile knowing and rejoice in him because he says to me, I am the bread of life, the bread that gives you no less than life. And we may say to ourselves, oh, it's nice for him to say that. And I agree, there's no doubt about it, that that bread of life is far greater than earthly bread. And earthly bread could never dream of giving me that. But is he big enough to come through and to give it? That's the thing that bothers us, isn't it? We may say, did you ever hear such bragging and boasting and exaggeration in your life? And men turn and say, can you imagine the stranger of Galilee standing in the synagogue in Capernaum and daring to say, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives you eternal, everlasting, unending life with me in heaven, that I'll give you a life that will assure you that you'll never die, that you'll live forever, and that even your bodies will be raised at the last day. And you and I may say, how in the world could he ever say such a thing? We may say, that's exaggeration, that's boasting, that's bragging. We may say, was he a madman? Was he beside himself? How in the world could he mean it? And yet again, today Jesus says to you, I am the bread of life. You and I may say, is he worth believing? Is he worth trusting? Is he worth rejoicing in? When he says to me, I am the bread of life, I am the bread that gives you no less than eternal everlasting life and you'll never die and you'll live forever and even your body will be raised. You and I may say, oh, I would like to seek him and to know him if I could just feel sure that he's big enough, that he can come through, that this isn't exaggeration, that this isn't boasting, that he wasn't a madman, that he knew what he was saying. And this morning again, when Jesus again would call to you and me and say, I am the bread of life, let's know this, that he is worthy of your and my finding him. He is worthy of knowing him and having him. And all because when he says to you and me, I am the bread of life, I am the bread that will give you life that earthly bread could never dream of giving you, that he's just big enough and he's great enough and he's powerful enough to come through and he will come through. Because in the first place, he would assure you and me of this, 
Christ assures you and me that he is the bread. He says, the bread that came down from heaven, the living bread. And in that great discourse that he gave them there as he spoke to them and preached to them in the synagogue at Capernaum, he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. There are those that say, did Christ ever claim deity for himself? Did Christ ever say that he was no less than God? Listen, in that sermon that he delivered that day at Capernaum, he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. What was he talking about? He said, I am the one that came down from heaven. I am the living bread. I am the bread that's always been alive. I am the bread that is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He was talking about his godness. He was talking about his deity. And he had proved it the day before when they saw that he had fed them 5,000 on, again, five barley loaves and two small fishes. In that miracle, he had demonstrated beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was one who had come down from heaven. He was living bread. He was no less than God deity. This is the one miracle that Jesus performed that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was a tremendous thing to feed 5,000 and then to have 12 basketfuls left over. He again was demonstrating his deity. Therefore, you and I may say, oh, I'd like to feel that he's worthy of my seeking, of my finding. I'd like to feel that I should have him. But we may say to ourselves, is he big enough to produce it? Can he come through? Can you imagine Jesus, the stranger of Galilee, standing in the synagogue in Capernaum, standing before again a group that wanted to make him king because of earthly bread, to say, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives you no less than eternal everlasting life and eternity with me in heaven. And I'll assure you with that, you'll never die and you'll live forever. You and I may say, is he big enough? Well, listen, he was big enough to feed the 5,000. He testified of himself, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I came from heaven. I am no less than God. I am the living, the eternal one, the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega. And therefore, may you and I rest assured of this. He assures us beyond the shadow of a doubt that all power, omnipotence is his. There isn't anything he can't do. That you and I can say he is worthy of your seeking and of my seeking him and finding him because he is just that big. He is just that tremendous. He is omnipotent. There is nothing as regards power that he can't do. And therefore today, as we bring it into our own life and we say, well, if he is worthy, because he says to you and me this morning, I am the bread of life. As he spoke to them, trying to show them, I came to bring you something greater than earthly bread. I came to bring you something that earthly bread can never dream of giving you. I came to be the bread of life. Life. Can you imagine anything more wonderful? Life, eternal life, an eternity of blessedness with me in heaven. A life that tells you that you'll never die and that you'll live forever. You and I may say, well, because he is big enough, we ought to determine that in the seeking of earthly bread, that we will say to ourselves, I'm never going to allow the seeking of earthly bread to ever blind me to Christ, who is the bread from heaven, the bread of life. Oh, we may rather laugh at the 5,000 and say, couldn't they see that Jesus had come to bring something more wonderful than earthly bread? And may I ask you, as I ask myself, can't you see it either? How many of us are blinded? Well, that, as far as your life and mine is concerned, the one thing that means more than anything else is earthly bread. How about it? How about our thinking, too, that the grandest thing that could ever come 
is earthly bread, the elimination of poverty, to have all that we would want to eat, all of our needs provided for. They weren't any different than you are or than I am. And that's why they had a tendency to argue with Jesus. And they, again, when he talked about being bread from heaven, they wanted to know whether he thought he was greater than Moses. Why hadn't Moses fed their fathers in the wilderness with manna for 40 years? And Jesus corrected them. He says, wait a minute, Moses didn't feed them. He said, my father in heaven fed the man. He said, my father fed the man. They died. Jesus would remind you and me that earthly bread, oh, it's a wonderful blessing to be sure, but it isn't the greatest blessing. All it can do is sustain life. It does not prevent death. Oh, does earthly bread prevent death? They died in the wilderness even though they got manna. It rained manna every day except on the Sabbath. Think of it for 40 years. And yet they died like flies in the wilderness. If Jesus had come into the world, this is the sad, tragic thing about him. If he had come into this world and had said, I come to bring you earthly bread, and if he had allowed them to take him and to make him a king because he had fed the Father, he would be acclaimed today as the greatest individual that ever came into the world. Why? Because the world says there isn't anything greater than earthly bread. To eliminate poverty, this is it. And Jesus standing there in the synagogues that day trying to tell them, I come to bring you something that is greater than earthly bread. What is earthly bread when you and I still die? If earthly bread is all we're going to have, can you imagine any greater tragedy than when the day of death comes that all that we've got is earthly bread? And I'd like to tell you something about that earthly bread that you may not know. How many of you have ever been in the room when a loved one died? Have you ever been in the very presence of death when death came to a loved one who had plenty of earthly bread in his body? Do you know what God allows to have happen? Most of the times, ask any doctor and any nurse, when death comes to you and me, and your body and mind shall have plenty earthly bread, God has a way of having your body and mind expel it. We don't even keep in death the earthly bread that our bodies may have. You may not like to hear it, but the great chances are these when you die and I, that we will be lying in our fecal material. Our bodies will expel it. We won't even have the earthly bread that was in our bodies. And God pity you and me if that's all you and I have got on the day of death, that we're rolling in what's left of earthly bread and don't have him the breath of life and the bread of heaven. God pity you and me if we're that poor. But that's about the way in which we are when death comes. Don't forget it, will you? You may not know that. Today, when Jesus, again, we look at him standing in the synagogue at Capernaum, and he says to them, oh, a feeling of frustration. They wanted him to be a king, and they wanted earthly, oh, earthly bread. That's all the greatest thing. And he was trying to tell them, oh, please, listen, I am the bread of life. 
I am the bread that came to give you a bread that is far greater than earthly bread. A bread, again, that earthly bread could never give you. I've come to give you life, eternal, everlasting life with me in heaven. A life that will cause you never to die. A life that will cause you to live forever. A life that will even cause your body to be raised from the dead. You and I may say, oh, if I ever heard exaggeration, if I've ever heard bragging or boasting or an overstatement, that's it. Was he a madman? No, he wasn't a madman. He was just that great because in the second phase he assures you and me that he is that bread who came to give his flesh for the life of the world. Who was he? Big enough, you say, that he can give us the bread of life why, of course, because in that sermon that he delivered on the discourse of the bread of life, he told them, he says, my bread, again, is my flesh which I come to give and my blood which I shed for the life of the world. Don't forget that he came into the world to bring something greater than earthly bread. He came to die for you and me. He came to give his body in death and to shed his blood in death for you and me, to overcome eternal death for you and me. And let's remember this. When the Bible talks about eternal death, it does not mean an eternal annihilation. It does not mean an eternal extinction. It never means the ending of life, that there is an extinction or there is an annihilation that life ceases. Eternal death, when the Bible talks about that's a living death, not a dead death. It is a living death in hell. And that day Jesus reminded them that he was the bread of life because he had come to give his body. This was his bread, he said, my body and my blood. To give it, he says, in sacrifice for the life of the world. He went to the cross and he again, he bore eternal death for you and me. He took the wrath for you and me. He bore the equal of an eternal living in hell for you and me. And he did that in giving his body and his blood in death. And therefore, he's big enough. I'm not worried about that. He is big enough because in that sacrifice, in sacrificing his flesh and his blood, he's got the blessing of eternal life to give. He earned it on the cross. And because he bore the eternity of darkness and of death for me in hell, I know this, that because he paid my bill, I have no doubt in all the world that he is the bread of life. He has forgiveness. He has eternal life. He has everlasting salvation to give because he earned it. Calvary proves it. He is just that big. And that's why we ought to say to ourselves this morning, I am determined, therefore, if all that I have in this world is earthly bread, that I am about the most poverty-stricken individual on earth, and that, therefore, he is worth seeking, and he is worth finding, he is worth having, and we ought to determine this morning uh, that we're going to have him, who is the bread of life, the bread from heaven. You may say, well, how do you get him? He told them that day, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he says, you have no life in me. And Bible scholars have wondered, what did he mean? Some said, was he talking about the Lord's Supper? 
Was he talking about the Lord's Supper that you had to eat his flesh and drink his blood? He wasn't talking about the Lord's Supper because this was a year before he had ever instituted the Lord's Supper. And another reason why we know he wasn't talking about the Lord's Supper because he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in me. Then the Lord's Supper would be an absolute necessity. Then anybody who would die and who has died without the Lord's Supper would be damned. He didn't say that. He was talking in metaphorical and figurative language. He said, whosoever believeth in me, what does it mean to eat his bread or to eat his body and to drink his blood? It means to put our faith and trust in him. It means to turn to him in sorrow for our sins, to admit that we are lost and condemned, and put our trust in him to believe that he is the bread of life, and to ask him for that gift of life. And in the moment in your life and mine, regardless of whom we are or what we are, in that moment, he gives you and me that tremendous gift of life. And he says, when I give you that gift of life, you shall never die. You shall live forever. And you and I may say, wait a minute. Do you mean to say that I'll never die? That's what he says. You may say there are those that say that when you die, that the soul and the body dies and you go to the grave. Jesus didn't say that. Don't you let anybody ever tell you that. My Lord said in this sermon about the bread of life, he says, and this life will see to it that you shall never die. You and I in him will never die. You say, but isn't there death going to come to me? Yes, there will come death to the body. But what is death? Death is the separation of our soul from the body, and your soul and mine in him will never die. It will live forever. What is death? Simply, again, a continued living of your soul and mine in him. And when death comes, we simply pass through a veil. We simply pass through again a curtain from one life to another life. Your soul and mine never dies. It will never cease to live. It doesn't die. You don't bury the soul. The body dies. But Jesus says, when you have my life, you shall never die. You shall live forever. And in him, your soul and mine will never die when I believe in that moment. He says, here's life. You'll never die. You'll live forever. That's a joy. He says, and I'll come and live with you. You will dwell in me. What a comfort to know this, that even when death comes, your soul and mine don't cease to exist. I should say not. When he has a hold of us, we just, as I say, pass through the veil. We stand before our God, and because we have Jesus and we have on his robe of righteousness, God simply says to your soul and mind that continues to live never die, again, here is heaven. And Jesus says, come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He wasn't a madman, and he wasn't bragging, and he wasn't exaggerating. Listen, he says, and when he says, you'll never die, and you'll live forever, he meant just that. Your soul and mine never ceases to exist, nor is it in any suspended animation that it's buried. No, your soul and mine in him is a mortal. He wasn't a madman. This is what he said in the synagogue in Capernaum. Tremendous. How in the world he could ever stand and say it. Why? Because he knew he was big enough to produce. He was big enough to come through. Because he also assures you and me of this. That again, he is the bread that arose again from the dead and went back to heaven. Don't forget that this bread that came down from heaven arose from the grave. He came back from death and then 40 days later he went back to heaven. 
He is the eternal living one. And because he raised his body from the grave and went back to heaven, you and I know this, that he wasn't speaking exaggeration. He wasn't saying something that made him a madman when he said, I am the bread of life. Listen, my Lord's big enough. If he could raise himself from the dead and go back to heaven, he can go back again. And he has said, I'm coming back. And I'm coming back to raise your bodies. Oh, you can put all the arguments in the world about the resurrection of the dead. But my Lord, again, this stranger of Galilee, who preached one day in the synagogue in Capernaum to a group that thought that earthly bread was the greatest thing that ever happened, again, he is the one that says, I'm the bread from heaven and I'm coming back and I'll give you life and I will raise your bodies and he will. Don't you ever worry about that. He will raise our bodies at the last day because he is just that big. And it ought to mean this thing in your life and mine that if he's worth knowing and he's worth seeking and he's worth having because he says to you this morning as he says to me I am the bread of life. Don't you understand? I am the bread that gives you no less than life eternal, everlasting life and eternity in heaven with me. Uh, that again, this means that you'll never die, that you'll live forever, and that even your bodies will be raised from the dead, that your bodies will share in this joy. And Jesus says to you, I mean, I'm big enough. Believe me. And then when I have him, I ought to show my appreciation, my litari, my rejoicing by sharing my earthly bread with the unfortunate with those who needed to make it a little easier for them to see Christ, who has something even greater than earthly bread. Some say, well, why didn't he come into the world? He could have done an awful lot of good if he had come to give us earthly bread, and I answer you, he did. What's the matter with you? Did he come into the world to starve us? He came into the world to let men know that there was a bread greater than earthly bread, and he assures you and me that when men come to realize him and stand at the cross and they see him as the bread of life, when men open their hearts to the eternal life that he brings, there wouldn't be any necessity for a man going hungry in this world. There would be no reason for poverty. There would be no reason why men couldn't have food. He gave us both but he wants men who have stood at the cross who have been born again through him out of gratitude to do the other that is to share earthly bread with the unfortunate because he says inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren you have done it unto me and then the joy of knowing that when our bodies are raised in glory that there will be other bodies raised in glory because we made it easier for them to believe in Jesus Christ. How much are you and I sharing? How much joy will there be at the last day that some who have been pointed to him as the bread of life because we were kind, because we shared earthly bread. Oh, to have our bodies raised in glory and to see other bodies raised in glory because Jesus says this life that I give you 
It includes, I'm going to raise your bodies at the last day, that your bodies can enjoy this eternal, unending bliss of heaven. You and I may say, look what happens to our bodies. Oh, what can happen to a human body? When you see what can happen, and you see a human body lying in death, I'm telling you there's a tremendous difference between seeing them on the deathbed and seeing them in the castle. When you and I say, what can happen to my body before I die? Not only sickness and disease, but you young men, you may say, what can happen to my body? It may be blown to bits in Vietnam. It may be suffering torture and privation as a prisoner of war. You young ladies may say to me, what can happen to my bodies? May I say to you this morning with a heavy heart, God knows anything can happen to your bodies. There are men in this world who wouldn't hesitate to attack you and miserably treat you and morally insult you. This is the kind of a world we live in. May I say to you, young ladies, if it should ever happen to you, remember you've got this comfort that virtue is a matter of the soul, not of the body. Wicked men may molest you against your will. They may criminally attack you. They may spoil you. But will you remember that one Sunday you heard me say, virtue is a matter of the soul, not of the body. Purity is a matter of your soul. No man can take that from you. No. Virtue, purity, that's the matter of your soul, not a matter of your body. And Jesus says, and God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. That when our bodies are raised, every tear will be gone. The memory of the worst that might have happened to your body and mine, it'll be gone forever. Because one day, up in Capernaum, on the Sea of Galilee, your Lord and mine said, I am the bread of life. I'll raise your body from the grave, and I'll wipe away all tears from your eyes. We may have him and look forward, and there may be tears. But, oh God, when we've got him who is the bread from heaven, I don't care what happens to your body or mine. We can walk the glory road and we can still sing to him because he wasn't a madman. He didn't brag. He was, in truth, the bread from heaven. And we can look up at him and through tears we can say, Oh God, how great thou art. How great thou art. How great thou art.
The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.